The difference between stories and fantasy and the real reality is the exact same. It's the difference between that love is our true selves and the nature of existence, but the play of life includes absolutely everything. So though at our core, each of us is pure love, we play in a game of the world that exhibits every level of obscuring of that truth to the full realization of that truth. And the whole interplay of that allows us to see the contrast that makes life even worth it, that makes it so we have a life that has a story. So in this podcast, I'm going to be exploring this idea a lot because it's in really owning yourself and who you are as that love in the midst of the complete expansiveness of all of the duality and all of the stories and all of the myths that, um, I mean, th- this is this is what life is about, that we must know that our true identity is that of love but we're playing in a world with all of these different shades so the only problem with fantasy comes up the only problem is when you forget your true identity within it which is love like if you we can see ourselves and all the characters and all the stories of the world because it's all encompassed in that which is love, which we've heard so many times, that idea. But we will get lost every time we forget our our true identity within all of this. And I guess that is part part of the part of the journey. But uh, before I play this clip where this fun guy on YouTube talks about Galadriel from Lord of the Rings, so I think it's an excellent character to think about in terms of your own self um like because he'll talk about it so i'll let let him do it but because galadriel is magnificently powerful she's the the elven queen of lothorian which is what does lothorian mean um in particular i'm looking at a broke it has to do with dreams but i'm trying to get the exact meaning. Lothlorien means the dream flower, which if that's not a beautiful, beautiful name, I don't know what it is. So Galadriel is the queen of this place that's sort of a holdout against Sauron, who's the, the forces of evil, quote unquote. So the reason why Galadriel is such an amazing character is that it it like really challenges our ability to be able to think about what does it mean to be have our minds be strong enough that the darkness does not does not own our minds. Um, but she shows just how when you're that powerful, just how much of the forces of darkness can come upon you. And I, before I play the video about Galadriel, I'm going to read a few lines, a few quotes from The Power of Myth by Joseph Campbell, which I bet most people will have heard of. It's a book. And so even if I'm claiming that all myths 
all stories are simply that. They're myths and stories. They're not the true nature of the present moment. Um, he has some brilliant quotes, and it's uh, understanding the, the nature of myth and the power of myth is really important. So Joseph Campbell says, The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. A hero is someone who has given his or her life to something bigger than oneself. We must be willing to get rid of the life we've planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. The privilege of a lifetime is being who you are. Follow your bliss and the universe will open doors for you where there were only walls. Find a place outside where there's joy and the joy will burn out the pain. The big question is whether you are going to be able to say a hearty yes to your adventure. Myths are public dreams. Dreams are private myths. The goal of life is to make your heartbeat match the beat of the universe, to match your nature with nature. Your sacred space is where you can find yourself again and again. I'm really wishing I'd been friends with Joseph Campbell. <laughs> it's a bummer that he died on October 30th, 1987 in Honolulu. Um, so... That's just a fun fact. And his wife died this year on May 4th in Honolulu as well. So no more random facts about them. But go ahead, listen to Gladriel, and I hope you enjoy it. This was originally going to be a video on how powerful Galadriel is, but as I researched that, I found that the more interesting lore question was actually why Galadriel is as powerful as she is. There's a lot more to it, and it allows for a deeper lore discussion, which of course I always enjoy, and as today's video is a Tolkien video, I am wearing my Sting necklace. But the two questions are obviously intimately connected, so it is important for us to establish just how powerful Galadriel is, or at least kind of give a summary of that. The story of Galadriel is detailed with feats of power and magic, dating right back to the years of the trees. One of the earliest references we have to her abilities is when Tolkien wrote that from her earliest years she had a marvellous gift of insight into the minds of others, but judged them with mercy and understanding. What insight means in this passage isn't exactly clear, but in The Fellowship of the Ring it's implied that she may or may not have read Frodo and Sam's minds, and she actually more explicitly states that, I perceive the Dark Lord and know his mind, or all of his mind that concerns the elves, and he gropes ever to see me and my thought but still the door is closed. So she does seem to have some measure of telepathy or mind reading abilities, but more notably, she seems to have the ability to defend her mind against others. And this is particularly impressive because Sauron's real power is in his ability to dominate the minds of others. And Tolkien references this a number of times, like when Saruman was ensnared by that dark spirit, mightier than he. Noting that Galadriel could not just resist Sauron's influence, but actively prevent him from looking back into her, is a real testament to her mental acumen. To have the ability to resist where Saruman, one of the Astari, could not. But her powers weren't just wisdom or mental, she had the ability to shape and enchant the world around her. Gilgalad gave some Melanorn seeds to Galadriel, and under her power they grew and flourished in the guarded land of Lothlorien. And in an extension of her powers, in the chapter where she takes Frodo to her mirror, she describes the following. For this is what your folk would call magic, but this, if you will, 
is the magic of Galadriel. She does imply by saying that it's her magic that the water or the mirror was enchanted by her to have the powers that it does, to give visions of various futures. And finally, we can assume that she has the ability to fight with her powers. In the year 2941 of the Third Age, Galadriel joined with the White Council to attack Dol Guldur and drive out the Necromancer, who they of course discovered to be Sauron. While we see this attack happen in the Hobbit movies and she clearly uses magic to fend Sauron off, we actually don't get much detail about what happened in the books, so we don't have any real record that she used magic there to fight. However, there was another battle at the end of the uh, War of the Ring in 3019 of the Third Age, uh, Galadriel joined with the host of Lothlorien to go and assault Dol Guldur. They took Dol Guldur, and Galadriel threw down its walls and laid bare its pits, and the forest was cleansed. We never got to see that in the movies, but boy, I kind of wish I did. She worked to undo the enchantments that Sauron had cast across the land, and the fortress collapsed with it. She single-handedly brought down the walls. If that's not power, then I don't know what is. And finally, there are a few lines that Tolkien gave that allow us some real perspective on just how powerful he viewed her as a character. He regarded her as having equal, even if unlike, endowments to Feanor, and he said that she is one of the greatest of the Eldar and Valinor. And most impressively, he noted that Galadriel was the greatest of the Noldor, except Feanor maybe though she was wiser than he. Though variously phrased by Tolkien and his son Christopher, this comparison to Feanor is enough to show how powerful she is as a character. I mean, it took several Belrogs to take Feanor down, fiery demons of death to kill him, and he managed to wound a god seven times. That's the sort of level of power we're talking here. But why is she so powerful? One reason is her age. One thing to understand about Middle-earth is that across all of Tolkien's novels, it's the story of a dying world. Magic is leaving it, and so is all of the wonder of the Valar that we can read about in the Silmarillion. Galadriel was born in the year 1362, in the years of the Two Trees, Telperion and Laurelin. Magic is innate to elves, they're born with it, and Galadriel was born at the time when magic was at its highest, when the world was most closely connected to the Valar. Having lived under the two trees, these creations of life and light and magic, it endowed her with spiritual gifts unlike any of those who really came after her, who didn't grow up in the light of the trees. And this, interestingly, as I've been reading about in The Song of Middle-earth by David Harvey, a book that I actually do recommend you should check out, it talks a lot about kind of uh, the themes and symbols and myths, as it says, uh, in Tolkien's work, and that's in his broader work, including things like the Silmarillion, how uh, his real-world influences kind of fit into his work. But this point in particular is kind of reminiscent of his Catholic faith. Tolkien hated allegory, but his religion was still very influential in his work. To him, the time where man was walking with God, very physically and very presently, that time was gone and with that a certain type of enlightenment. But one of the more crucial reasons for Galadriel being so powerful is that this was a time when the Valar, a group that Tolkien kind of designed to be the gods for Middle-earth, uh, were heavily involved in what was going on in the world. Most importantly, they taught, they mentored, they directly guided the Eldar, the elves. Galadriel was one of the Noldor, one of the original three groups of elves, and Tolkien wrote about them that the Noldor were beloved by Aule, and he and his people came often among them. Great became their knowledge and their skill, yet even greater was their thirst for more knowledge, and in many things they soon surpassed their teachers. Ayule was the valor of crafting, of working the earth, of smithing, and it's from them that they probably learned how to imbue objects and weapons with magic. 
And by studying and learning under the Valar, they learned the secrets of creation itself, of shaping the world around them to be as they wish it to be. These elves who went to Amman to live amongst the Valar for a time were already more knowledgeable, more practiced than those who didn't, a group known as the Avari. So already we see the Galadriel as part of one of the most powerful and privileged elvish groups. But fundamentally, the Noldor were the closest to the Valar, the gods, and ultimately, all magic flows from them. Well, from Eru Lubitar, then Valar, and then Maya, and then Eldar. But what's special about Galadriel is that she was even closer to the Valar than most others. We know that, being brilliant in mind and swift in action, she had early absorbed all of what she was capable of the teaching which the Valar thought fit to give the Eldar. This line suggests that Galadriel knows everything that the Valar taught the elves. Like, a lot of them would have specialised in certain things. You know, Fanor was particularly gifted with craftsmanship, but she learned everything, which is probably why she is known as wiser than Feanor. But her knowledge would have included things like craftsmanship and smithing, which is why she would be able to create things like the file of Eendil, or the mirror that we see her use with Frodo. But Gladriel's personal mentoring under the Valar actually goes even deeper than that. We know that she studied under Malian, therefore Gladriel remained in the Hidden Kingdom and abode with Malian, and of her learned great lore and wisdom concerning Middle-earth. Now, Melian isn't actually a Valar, she's a Maiar, closer to the rank of Sauron or Gandalf in the Middle-earth angel hierarchy, per se. And Melian served Vanya and Este, the Valar of flowers, of growth, and healing. And funnily enough, we actually know one specific thing that she learned from Melian in her tutelage, and that is how to make Limbus bread. That's right. How many did you eat? Four. But given the spheres of influence of those Valar, it's also probably where she learned how to cultivate and preserve trees, as we talked about before. Lothlorien is actually described like this. There was a great height, a green wall encircling a green hill thronged with melon trees, taller than any they had yet seen in all the land, like twilight, like living towers. In their many-tiered branches and amid their ever-moving leaves, countless lights were gleaming, green, gold, and silver. In my mind, this description of a forest, which is unlike anywhere else in Middle-earth, is intimately connected to her tutelage under the Valar. She inherited skills, wisdom, and knowledge that no other elf did. That said, there is a cat that has this knowledge, because he's a god. All hail Mishka. I'm sorry, did I just wake you up from your sleep? I'm, I'm pretty sure I did. If you're a newbie and this is your first video of mine that you have ever watched, I should probably warn you that this channel is primarily about a man who worships his cat, and occasionally there's some nerdy stuff thrown in. But another source of Galadriel's power is that she is one of the wielders of the Three Rings of the Elves. Ninja. These are Naya, Ninja, and Vilya, and she had Ninja, the Ring of Water, otherwise known as the Ring of Adamant. Though the three rings are often misunderstood, and we don't have time to fully get into the lore around them today, but Tolkien gave a pretty apt description of their powers. The chief power of all the rings alike was the prevention or slowing of decay, i.e. the change viewed as a regrettable thing, the preservation of what is desired or loved, or its semblance. This is more or less an elvish motive. Remember how we talked about magic and wonder leaving the world? Well, elves want to preserve that time past, that time full of wonder and full of magic. And Galadriel more than most, she dwelled in the time of the Valar, she lived with the two trees. To Galadriel, the world around her was coming to ruin, and all that was left were these small elvish kingdoms preserved by the rings. And this is actually why the elvish lands look so spectacular and marvellous compared to everywhere else. They're being preserved by the three rings. Galadriel is preserving Lothlorien with Nenya. 
somewhat trapping it in a time from ages past. Though interestingly, there is a passage that implies it isn't just preserving it or slowing the decay, but actually enhancing it. By the ring's power, the realm of Lorinand was strengthened and made beautiful. So that's another reason that Gladriel is really set apart. She can influence the world around her in a way that very few others can. But other than that, Nina really doesn't augment her power, though there is some evidence to suggest that it protects the lands that, uh, that wielder is kind of presiding over by repelling enemies. And finally, there is one more point that I want to touch on. This, again, isn't really kind of a power that she has innately or that she studied. It was really just more of an item with power, an elf stone. It's described to give Galadriel the ability to make things grow beautifully around her. Wielding the Alisar, all things grew fair about Galadriel until the coming of the Shadow to the Forest. And the Alisar is an elf stone that she actually gives to Aragorn later on, but as said before, this is less so about her power and more to do with the object itself, because she didn't enchant it. What seems curiously true across all elven magic, in fact, across most magic in Middle-earth, is that it supports things, invigorates them, makes them more wondrous, makes them more wholesome than they otherwise would be. That's what elves do with the world around them, that's what Galadriel is doing with Lothlorien, and when it comes to the battle at Dol Guldur, when she throws down the walls and lays bare its pits, that's what she's doing with Sauron's lands. Sauron had magic that supported the fortress, and Galadriel undid those enchantments, and without that power to preserve, it fell. The elven lands are lands of magic, and without it, the land is essentially left to die. It falls apart. Elves have a weirdly intimate connection to their land. They make themselves kind of part of it, and it kind of becomes a part of them. Magic is their way of connecting with it, in a sense. But that's all from me. If you'd like to support our supreme leader Mishka, and yes, I do realise that this is not our supreme leader Mishka, this is, um, court jester Jesse, but I uh, couldn't really find Mishka, he's gone somewhere. Then it would mean the world if you considered donating just a couple of dollars a month over on our Patreon. There is a link down to that. In the so I wanted to say a quick thing. That video was from a guy's channel who's who if you look it up it says that his like youtube name is hello future me if you want to go support him or listen to him or something but i just wanted to make a comment that um i went to engineering school and there i came in contact with a lot of people that play video games like i've been stereotypical that there were a lot of people who would have like whole video game setups in their dorm rooms and video games are just like an obvious example of okay people are going to sort of live in a virtual reality and get absorbed in that world and so in a way I think we're all we all do this whether it's to a greater or a lesser extreme where we have some sort of picture of some fantasy, whether it's like literally we play um, video games or we just get lost in books, but the main thing for all of us is usually just lost in our thoughts. That what I'm trying to say is it's never the stories themselves that um, are a problem, but it's a hiding away from life. It's a fear. It's a if you focus only on self-love and lack of self-fear, then any negative effects of hiding away and withdrawing into your stories are dissolved. And they're actually, um, they can actually make you understand. We understand life through the stories that we tell ourselves. 
but we need to figure out how to bring all the glory of our minds and all the amazingness of our creativity um, out out of hiding. Like think about all the sort of ideas that if someone's in a video game and they get this sense of achievement that they saved someone or they built something or they learned about something. Everything that's happening in our minds or in our video games like that needs to come out into the real world. That's that's my basic message. With or without our help, these dwarves will march on the mountain. They're determined to reclaim their homeland. I do not believe Thorin Oakenshield feels that he's answerable to anyone. Well, for that matter, am I? It is not me you must answer to. <laughs> <laughs>